finally here, the <clears throat> last episode in the book of Acts. Actually, next week we're going to end up, and uh, it's kind of like we've been on a long journey through the woods, and next week we're going to get in an airplane, and we're going to fly in one day back over where we have just gone. So <clears throat> we want to kind of just give a concluding challenge next week. However, this morning what we have here are the final words of this book. And I think it really qualifies as one of those, in some ways, surprise endings. Every once in a while there have been those, maybe you've seen a show or something where it's just been uh, an ending that kind of leaves you hanging. I know a few years ago, I think it was the uh, final episode of The Sopranos, and people called into their cable company and said, the, you know, my TV shut off right in the key point of the show. And they said, no, that was it. That, that was the end right there. <clears throat> and uh, you know how it is. Sometimes you just want to, you, you want things to be concluded. If I see a movie with Vicky and it has a couple in there, and usually there's a tension, and then they get back together. If we can't see the wedding and the bridesmaids' dresses and the first house they live in, and if they had any kids, it's like, the story isn't complete. At least for my, for my other half, it's not complete. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I've been following this story for seven chapters now. We have been going along. Paul was arrested. He was brought to Festus and then Felix, and then he's brought to King Agrippa. And we have this progression of trials and this building suspense. Finally, he appeals to Caesar in a very moving moment. And Agrippa says, then to Caesar you shall go. And so we're heading towards the climax of the story, and there's this massive uh, storm that they get involved in, and it's, it's quite a dramatic story. As, as we'll see this morning, Paul's going to end up in Rome. And so here we are. He's finally, you know, in Rome. We're looking for the end to this saga and there's not one mention of Caesar. There's not one mention of the trial. You find that interesting? I mean, what was Luke's point here in ending the story like he did? In some ways, it kind of leaves us hanging a little bit with Paul. Here's, here's the end of it. Acts 28, 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the end. And uh, does Paul get his freedom? Is Caesar favorable towards Paul? Does he ever get out of chains? And it's interesting that even history does not answer that question. We have to rely on the tradition that has been passed down. And tradition says that Paul was uh, freed by Caesar, that he went on probably a missionary journey to Spain, many people feel, perhaps visited some of the churches, came back to Rome, and was most likely beheaded under the reign of uh, Nero, probably around 64 or 65 A.D. So why does Luke end the book the way he does? Well, I'm going to answer that question next Sunday. 
So hopefully you can uh, <coughs> come back. I think, there's a, I think there's a reason, personally, there's an impact here of ending the story this way that really is important for, for all of us. Well, let's walk through this, this uh, final passage here. We'll just kind of take a walk through it. I'll make a few comments, and then we'll come back and, and look at a couple points of application. Uh, verses 11 through 16. As you, we left last week, they were shipwrecked on this island of Malta. They couldn't travel because it was winter season. It was too dangerous, and the winds weren't right. So they stayed on this little island of Malta for three months, and then they were sent on their way. And there's kind of four legs to this journey. Number one, they went from Malta northeast to Syracuse. And they stopped there and, and they stayed about three days. So that's the first leg of this journey from Malta to Rome. Then they traveled straight north pretty much to Regium, which is on the toe of Italy, just to get your geography down. And uh, then they, they got a good south wind and they sailed up probably about 200 miles and uh, to, to Patelli there, and they spent a week in, in the town of Patelli. And then the last stretch of the journey is on the Appian Way. And this is like, this is like the super, this is the Audubon of the Roman Empire. I mean, this road was built with gravel and small rocks and then mortar. And then flat paving stones the whole way. And it was said that these stones were so tightly fitted together that you couldn't fit a knife blade between them. So it was like almost like a stone highway that was built. And this is a very famous road. It has ditches. It had retaining walls. And this is the road that Paul and this group walked as they journeyed the last uh, <coughs> miles there to Rome. And What's interesting is along this road, and it mentions there a couple of, of the towns there, these, these roads are, these towns are like 40 to 50 miles away from Rome, and the Christians from Rome had heard Paul was coming, and they're coming out to meet him and walk, walking with him the last 40 to 50 miles into the city. And Paul says there, it says there in the text, it says, the brothers there had heard that we were coming. They traveled as far as, and it mentions these towns to meet us, and it says, at the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. So you can imagine the encouragement of having these people come out to meet you. They arrive in Rome, two million people, a little bigger than the Twin Cities, a million slaves out of two million people. Very small upper class, the rest were high class of poor and uh, slaves in the city. And that's where Paul would be now for the next couple of years. Well, in, in verses 17 to 25, then, we see Paul is communicating with the Jewish people. Uh, you know, after three days, he calls together the leaders, and he says, you know what? I realize I'm on trial here, but I have done nothing wrong. Nothing against the Jewish people, nothing against the customs of our people. In fact, the Roman authorities tried me and found me innocent. But the Jews wouldn't accept it, so I had to appeal to Caesar, and that's, that's why I'm here. And then he basically says, the reason I am in these chains is because I believe in the hope of Israel. I believe in the same hope that you have had for thousands of years. And, of course, the message is that that hope has been fulfilled. Well, they replied, and they said, you know, we have nothing against you. We haven't 
heard things from brothers that have come to town, but we have heard about this sect, this Christian sect, and everyone's speaking against that. So we'd like to hear your views on the topic. So they arranged a meeting. It says Paul talked with them from morning till evening. From morning till evening. So for 12 hours. You know, what do you talk about for 12 hours? Well, it says Paul was explaining to them from Moses and the prophets. <clears throat> and so he's going back and he's looking at, you know, the, the Old Testament tells, you know, it tells about how Jesus would be born. He'd be born of a virgin. It tells the town he would be born in. It tells how he would live his life. It talks about how he would die. It talks about his resurrection. All in the Old Testament. So Paul's going back and he's explaining all of these connections between the scriptures that they accepted and the coming of Christ. <clears throat> and then he ends here by quoting Isaiah 6 verses 9 and 10. This is the same passage that Jesus quoted. This is the same passage that every New Testament gospel includes. And you see it there in, in verses 26 and 27. So here's the quote. And this is really the final quote of the book. Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. But this people's heart has become calloused. And they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So why does Paul end with these words? Why does Paul end it here? I mean, why is that his main point? And actually, Luke is the one here that's including uh, this account of the book of Acts. And what we have here is the same point that is made very, very early on in the book. Paul, or Peter, excuse me, Luke ends this book with this same point, And that is this. That the gospel is not just for the Jews. And we have a hard time, I've said this before, we have a hard time appreciating this point because for thousands of years, the focus of God's blessing had been upon the chosen people, had been upon Israel. And now God's blessing was, was switching to the Gentiles. I mean, that was just so unheard of. How could this be? And it was the same message that Jesus sent in the Gospels. The exact same one. Matthew chapter 22. It's called the parable of, of the wedding banquet. And so, Jesus here is speaking to Jewish leaders and he tells the parable. Some of you will remember the story, or maybe knew, but here's what Jesus said. He said, the kingdom is like this. There was a dad and his son was getting married. So they're having this big wedding celebration. And they sent out invites to all the family, all the relatives, all the close friends. They sent out invites, and nobody was coming. Everybody had something else that was more important. Some people had a golf meeting that day. Some people were tired. Some people just planned other things. And none of the relatives and none of the friends were open to coming. 
And so he sent out personal messengers and they treated them rudely and, and uh, turned them away. And so the father said, okay, <clears throat> forget the family. We're gonna go, I want you to go out and I want you to invite anybody, whoever you see on the street. First person you run into, doesn't matter. Go out into the highways and byways and invite them to come in. Homeless people, people who are, doesn't matter. The good and the bad, it doesn't matter. I want you to invite those that are totally disconnected, totally unconnected with the family to this. And, it, you know, it's really quite an, an amazing story. And <clears throat> so now we find that, you know, now this room is, is full of people, all kinds of people from all walks of life, people you would never expect to be at this wedding. And, of course, the Jewish leaders knew what Jesus was saying here. And so the text says that after Jesus told the story, it said the Pharisees went out and laid plans to try and trap him in his words. And so Luke here, you know, is really saying the same thing. He says, therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. The invite has gone to the Gentiles because your hearts have been too hard to receive it. Well, how do we apply this story? Let me mention just a few points of application here this morning. Number one, we see here that not everyone is going to respond to the gospel. Not everyone is going to respond to the gospel. Acts 28, 26, and 27. You know, it, it almost sounds a little harsh, like God is choosing to allow people to be blinded. It almost seems like, you know, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. It's almost like God is darkening their hearts and their understanding and their ability to hear. And on some sense, that's true. On some sense, that is true. You know, Jesus quotes Isaiah 6, 9, and 10, and it's found in every gospel. We see that Jesus comes and he does miracles. He does, you know, he's healing blind people and lame people and lepers. And at first, the religious leaders are trying to deny the reality of it. But you know, you can only have so many lame and blind and crippled people running around the community who were once in that position. You know, condition and now are not before you have to quit denying it. So then what they did was they started to attribute his works to the devil. They said, okay, he might be healing people, but he's doing it by the devil. And so Jesus says, you know what? I'm speaking in parables so that the hardness of your heart will be even harder. The blindness of your eyes will even be more blind. And so what there is, is there's kind of a combination of God looks down on people who are refusing to open up their hearts, and He makes their hearts even harder. We saw that with Pharaoh. You know, you go through that text, and it says, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. You get to the end, and it starts to say, God began to harden his heart as well. And so we see that this is this is true here, not just for Jewish leaders. It can be true for anyone to whom God reveals himself and who begins to reject him. And, you know, you see this scenario played out in, in 
in Isaiah. If we had time this morning, uh, but it might be an interesting study. In Isaiah 29, God looks at Israel and He says, your, your hearts are going to be hardened so you will not be able to see. But in Romans 11, it says there is coming a day when God is going to lift the veil from Israel and the blindness, and they are going to respond in mass. And that will happen. It could happen in our generation, but it will happen. And so we see here that Luke reminds the readers that not everyone who hears the gospel is open to receiving it. Here's the second thing. I think the second thing is, and this was very surprising, is that some guests will surprise you at the wedding banquet. You know, the Jews, the Jews could not even eat an earthly meal. They couldn't even gather for lunch with a Gentile. And now, you know, now what's being taught is that you're going to share in the messianic banquet with the Gentiles. And that was so unheard of for the Jews. God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. Paul speaks to the Jewish leaders. Uh, you might be surprised who you're sitting next to. Uh, I want you to just take a look at Al this morning because you could be sitting next to Al.
Well, you may be sitting next to Al one day at that banquet and a thousand people like Al. God may surprise us. God will surprise us one day. And then finally, 
let me just say this, that, you know, God will let us say no. I think one of the most amazing things that, about God is as powerful as he is. That here is a God so powerful he could do anything he would want to. Anything that God wants to do, he could do. And yet he will not force your heart. God may bring into play a lot of things, but he will not force a person's heart. He will allow us to say no to a blessing he wants to give. He'll allow us to say no to a ministry he wants us to have. He'll allow us to say no to surrendering our heart to him. God will let us say no. And the Hebrew writer says this. He says, today, if you hear his voice, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. And uh, I would just challenge you today, and you know, as God speaks to you, as God speaks to you, I would challenge you to heed the admonition of Hebrews and uh, realize God will allow you to say no. Father, we thank you for this final episode in the book of Acts. Lord, we're reminded that there are many people whose eyes are blinded and their eyes are blinded because they have refused to open up their lives to what you're trying to say to them. Father, we also know that there are many who will listen. Many people that we do not expect to listen. And so, Father, we thank you for opening up our eyes. Lord, we thank you for opening up our ears so that we could hear. Lord, I would just pray this morning for anyone here who needs a new life. Anyone here who needs their life transformed through the person of Christ. And Lord, I pray that just in the quietness of this moment, that if you have spoken to someone here today, pray that they would say yes to your Spirit's voice in their life. Lord, there may be something that you're speaking to us as your people. Maybe something we have put off or something we have ignored. Or maybe it's something new. But Lord, I pray that as you speak to us, that we would be responsive to your voice. And uh, Lord, we commit this word, Father, to you today. Lord, as we gather next week and conclude this long series together, we pray that you would move and speak in each of our lives. So we thank you. And uh, Lord, as we conclude now our time of worship, we just uh, are thankful to you for who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.